Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Please open your Bibles to the book of Malachi, chapter 3, and we'll read two verses in chapter 3 and one verse in chapter 4. Malachi 3.16 is where we will begin. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament, so it's easy to find. Malachi 3.16. And while you're turning, I too would like to say Happy Mother's Day to all of our wonderful mothers. Uh, We love you and appreciate you so very much. And I'd also like to say it's good to be back in the pulpit. Uh, Many thanks to uh, Keith Collins and Derek Gray and Chuck Coburn uh, over these past three weeks who have filled the pulpit for me. That uh, meant a great deal to me. And sometimes, I'm honest with you folks, sometimes I need to sit down right where you are and have somebody preach to me and minister to me. And uh, it was truly a blessing. All three of them did uh, such a fantastic job. Malachi 3, before I read 16 and 17, I I want you to know that the book of Malachi is not one of those feel-good books in the Bible. In fact, it's it's just the opposite. It's full of rebuke, scathing and harsh and blistering rebukes from the prophet of God to the rebellious people of God. He rebukes them for not fearing God, not living for Him, not obeying Him, and not being faithful to Him. And and that is all through the book of Malachi. And then right in the middle of the book of Malachi, we have this amazing scripture that you've just turned to. This beautiful and intriguing statement in God's Word that we should look at. It should uh, catch our attention. And and basically what God does, right in the middle of this harsh rebuke to the nation of Israel, God talks about those who were not rebellious, those who were obedient, the few, uh, the rare, uh, those, those ones who had served God, that had been faithful to Him, Those who did fear God, those who did live for Him, those who were fellowshipping with one another, those who were testifying the goodness of God. And I want to tell you, friends, God has always had a people. God's always had a remnant. Uh, The the few, the rare, the remnant that will serve God regardless of what the world is going through. And that's what we find right here. So I I want you to listen. I'll read 16 and 17 and then one verse from chapter 4. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditated on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, 
on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. What a great passage of Scripture. And then listen to Malachi 4, verse 2. But to you who fear my name... Now remember, that previous verse began with the the statement of fear. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Now, I've read three verses this morning, but boy, they are power-packed with some promises of God. Basically, what it says is those who fear the Lord, those who talk about the great things that our God has done, those who meditate on His name, this is what God says about them. He says He's listening to those people. God's listening. And not only that, He says a book is being written, a book of remembrance that will record what they're saying. And God says that He will... uh, Treat them like a father who spares his own son. Like a father who loves his own son. And he will have mercy on them. And then he says he will overshadow them with healing in his wings. I don't know that I understand that, but I like the sound of it. He will overshadow those who fear him and fellowship around the things of God and meditate on his name. He will overshadow them with with healing in his wings. And then the last one is they'll grow fat like stall-fed calves. Now, I know we live in a society where dieting is popular and losing weight is in vogue. But I got to tell you, when the Bible talks about growing fat, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. In, In other words, it means that God has blessed you, that God has given you plenty it means that, that He's supplying for you and you have plenty to eat and there's plenty of food. And there are many blessings all around you. I'm tired of overweight people being picked on, aren't you? Maybe it's time we say to some of these skinny people, you need to get right with God and put on some weight. You's right with God, you wouldn't be so skinny. Do I get an amen in the house? Yeah. And guys, I want you to trust me with this. If you want things to go a little better at home, look at your wife and say, baby, you need to put a few pounds on. (laughs) That'll work, won't it? So, so he talks about all these things. God is listening. He's, he's writing down a book of remembrance. He's going to treat them like his children. Uh, as a man spares his son, he'll overshadow them with healing and his wings, and they'll grow fat. They'll have many, many blessings. We get all that from just three verses, but I want us to narrow our, our, our thoughts down to just one little part of this, and that is that a book of remembrance was being written. A book of remembrance was being written. Did you know that there are books in heaven? If you you research the Bible, you'll find out that there are books in heaven. There are many, many books in heaven. Now, do those books look like our books? Will we read them like we read our books? I'm not sure, but I am sure of this. That there will be books in heaven 
that will be filled with all kinds of information. There will be heavenly things written in these books and there will be books in heaven that will have a record of things that happened on earth that will be preserved throughout all of eternity. There will be heavenly books written in heaven for heavenly purposes. And get this. I think this is exciting. There will be books in heaven that that will record the things that are going on on earth. And and one of these days, you and I will be able to maybe enter the, the libraries of heaven and read about all the things we've always had questions about. Can you imagine? And you have all eternity to do it, so that'll be exciting, won't it? Um, Rebecca Springer wrote a book entitled, My Dream of Heaven. And I highly recommend it to you. It's one of the best books on heaven I've ever read. And I've read a lot of books about heaven. My Dream of Heaven. Write it down. And I don't want to spoil the book for you, but I will tell you there's one little place in the book where it says, and by the way, she uh, went into a coma, and she was in this coma for a long, long time. And when she woke up, she said the entire time she was in heaven and she toured heaven and she saw all this stuff about heaven. And I'll tell you how confident she was when she first wrote the book. She, she finished the book and so many people read the book and sent her questions about heaven and she added a chapter at the end answering their questions about heaven. Exactly what she had seen. But you know what? One of the things she said you would find in heaven classes, books, Bible study courses. That when you get to heaven, there will be many classes in heaven. You thought it would all be over when you left earth, didn't you? No, we're going to have some classes in heaven. And, and, and what she uh, um, kind of hinted at was this, that we're not all at the same level when we get to heaven. Some of us know a great deal about Christ and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and the Kingdom of God, and some people know almost nothing. And so when you get to heaven, you, you may be put in a class to kind of catch you up a little bit. I, I had a dream one night, and, and this dream was strange, and, and then I read the book after I had this dream, and I thought, yes. But I dreamed I was in a, a class in heaven and it was a class on the Holy Spirit. And I remember the neatest thing. We were all sitting on the floor, and I had my legs crossed, and I was sitting Indian style and with my legs crossed. And I'm so stiff, I've never been able to sit that way. And I remember thinking, man, this is real cool. I've always envied people that could sit like that. But I sat through this whole class, and it was absolutely wonderful. Now, now before I move on, I... This could be some incentive for you to go ahead and get involved in a Bible study class now. I mean, when you get to heaven, you don't want to be in the beginner class, do you? Wouldn't that be embarrassing? I was a deacon. I was a board member. I was on staff. I was a preacher. I was a teacher. What am I doing in this beginner class? Friends, there may be classes in heaven, books in heaven. I'm confident there are books in heaven, and I think there will be classes in heaven. Now, let's talk about these books for a few moments. I'll watch my time. But, but here, here's the first one. We've already mentioned it, the book of remembrance, and I'll come back to that, and we'll talk about that book in just a moment. But here's another one, the book of your life. 
Did you know that many of the theologians believe that there's a book about every last one of us in heaven? A book that God wrote before you were even born, before you were even conceived, God wrote a book about you? Now, they don't just pull that out of thin air. Listen to Psalm 139, 16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Wow. So, it kind of sounds to me like there's a book already written in heaven that was written before you were even born that detailed your life. That everything was written in the book. Now, John Bevere gives one of the best explanations about this. Listen to this. God wrote a book about you before your parents even thought of having you. Before a single day had passed. You may protest, but my life has had bumps, bruises, and even wrecks due to my bad choices. Did God author that? No. God mapped out our lives, but it is up to us to walk the exhilarating path He created for us. Wrong choices can detour us, but don't be discouraged or condemned. When we stray from the course, genuine repentance can right the ship. That's pretty biblical right there, friends. You see, God may have written a book about your life that goes like this, and you may have taken off in this direction. But when you genuinely repent and turn to the Lord, then what happens is, is God brings your life back into proper alignment with what God planned before the foundation of the world. We are His workmanship, one scripture says. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So, here's what we know. We know there's a book of remembrance. We know there's a book about our lives. It doesn't stop there. Did you know that there's a book in heaven? It's called the book of tears. Psalm 56, 8 says, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Now that may seem strange to us, but in the days of Christ, they had these little bottles, these small bottles, and they were called tear bottles. And it was a custom in that day that when somebody died, when somebody passed away, that they would take these tear bottles, and as they would weep uh, and mourn over the loss of that person, they would catch those tears. And the idea was to honor the person through many tears, and fill the little tear bottle up. And then they would seal the tear bottle. And as a memorial, as a monument to that person, sometimes they would place them in the tomb, sometimes they would take them home with them. But what the psalmist is saying in this is, God, not only are our tears caught in the bottle, but you catch every one of our tears. You write them down in your book. You're aware of every heartbreak. Now, I don't completely understand what this is all about. But friends, I can tell you this, that there's a reason God writes our tears down in His book. There's a reason. And I'd like to just speculate that maybe the reason God writes them down and records them so that one day in heaven we'll see the things that broke our hearts and we'll understand that the sufferings of this present time were never worthy to be compared with the wonderful glory 
that he brings into our lives when we get into heaven. Oh, friends, heaven's going to be better than anything you can imagine. So, so with the books, we know there's a book of remembrance. We know there's a book of your life. We know there's a book of tears. And then this one is a little bit scary now. So you might want to fasten your seatbelts. The book of rewards. Revelation 20, 12 says, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Plural. We'll be judged by the things that are written in the books. They're books that are being written in heaven. I, I don't want to sound like I completely understand this. I don't, but I completely believe what God's Word says, don't you? And there are things written down in heaven. And one of these days, we will be judged by what was written down in these books in heaven. God's taking notes, friends. And he's, he's writing them down. Now, uh, that should have you a little bit nervous. But I'm going to come back to something in a moment that will help you out. So don't forget that. Hey, the next book I want to mention is the most important of all the books in the Bible. It's called the Book of Life. Or the Lamb's Book of Life. Revelation 3, 5 says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the Book of Life. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. And then in Revelation 20, verse 15, And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. The Bible tells us that there is one particular book. There are many books in heaven, but there's one particular book, and it's the Lamb's book of life. And that's the book you want your name written in. And, it, and every true believer... Every person who's genuinely saved and born again, their names will be in that book. The book of life is mentioned 12 times in the Bible. Moses, David, Daniel, Paul, and John all talked about the book of life. One more book I want to mention. You can't leave this one out, and that's the Holy Bible. We believe the Bible will be in heaven. We're just going down a list. I'm just sharing with you some of these uh, the Bible will be in heaven. Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And then Luke 21.33 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. You see, friends, if you're holding a Bible in your hand right now, you're holding one of the things that will survive. Everything else in this world will pass away, but the word of God will not pass away. It'll be in heaven. And then there are what I call miscellaneous books. And, and you can do some search, uh, some searches, and sometimes it's hard, and sometimes they overlap, and you think maybe different names are given to the same books, but I just call them miscellaneous books. But I want to tell you, there's some strange things about these books. These are amazing books in heaven. One of the strange things about some of the books in heaven, it appears that some of these books can only be opened by people who are worthy to open these books. Revelation, the fifth chapter, John talks about going to heaven. And he said, there was a book. Now remember, he's in heaven. He's already in heaven. He sees the book. And then the announcement is made, there's no one worthy to open the book. No one could be found worthy to open the book. Now these are people already in heaven. These are angels. No one was worthy. And then the Bible says, the lion of the tribe of Judah arrived on the scene. 
whom we know to be our Lord Jesus Christ. And he was worthy to open the book. And John rejoiced because Jesus opened the book and unveiled the revelation that we have in the last book of our Bible. So it appears that there will be some books in heaven that you and I won't be able to read unless Jesus is standing right by our side or somebody worthy is there to open them up and reveal them to us. By the way, I recommend when you get to heaven, if you hear that Jesus will be doing a reading at a certain place, (laughs) you might want to show up for that. And by the way, if you do, I'll see you there because I will be there. You see, some of these books have to have a worthy person to open them. Now, that's a little strange, but what I'm about to share with you is really strange. This is really strange. It appears that some of these books in heaven can be eaten. That you can eat the book. And when you eat the book, you know everything that's in the book. Yeah, this is cool, isn't it? Yeah. Now, just so you won't think I'm crazy, and I know some of you do, Ezekiel in the Old Testament and John in the New Testament were both given heavenly books to eat, and then they were told to go and prophesy what they had eaten. Eat this book. And the Bible tells us that both Ezekiel and John both ate the book and then they knew exactly what to prophesy and what to say and they went and gave the prophecy. Now, you you may be thinking, Pastor, that's not literal. This is figurative language. When it talks about eating the book, it means that they consumed it. They, They consumed it and then they shared it. They didn't literally eat it. Well, friends, I have a a way of interpreting the Bible. If something's not obviously symbolic, you take it as literal. And this is not obviously symbolic. And I'll tell you why I believe they actually ate it. You want me to tell you why? Because both Ezekiel and John told us how it tasted. They both said it tasted like honey. It was like honey in my mouth. Oh, friends, I want to tell you. Always and forever, the Word of God is like honey in your mouth. Oh, it tastes good. Now, John went on to say that after he ate it and it tastes good in his mouth, it was bitter in his stomach. And I think the idea was is he ate the Word of God, the book, and it tasted sweet, but it made him sick to his stomach when he saw the revelations and what was going on in the world. Now, I just got to tell you, friends, I think it's super cool. Can you imagine going into a library in heaven and, and thinking, you know, I, I want to know how this galaxy was established. I, I want to know how a volcano really, how it all gets started. I want to know what Jesus said in those first four or five years of his life. You know he was a baby one time, right? And you know he said the first word one time, right? And to go back and then you go, say, there it is. And then you eat it. That's just cool. Somebody needs to work on that. Kids, don't you agree? We need some books you can eat, don't we? And then just know everything in the book. There's some strange stuff here. Now, one of the commentaries on the subject of books in heaven suggested that everything 
that has ever been said or done, every activity that has ever taken place on planet earth is recorded in heaven. Everything, nothing is left out. It's all in the archives of heaven. Everything is there with one exception. Here it is. The only facts that are removed from these books are sins that have been forgiven and removed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, I can't believe it. Everybody in this house sitting shouting right about now. Woo, happy day. Happy day, because some of this stuff scares the daylights out of me. Man, and I believe that, and that lines up with Scripture. How many of you want the book that's being written about you to have some blank pages in it? Blanked out, blotted out, by the blood of the Lamb. Blotted out. Listen, when you get to heaven, and you go into a library, and you find a book that has my name on it, and you pull it off the shelf, you're going to find quite a few pages in it that are just solid red, blood red. Things had been written in that book, but through the blood of Jesus, they've been blotted out. They've been covered. That, that makes me, I'm an old man, but that makes me want to run around this building. That makes me want to have a shout and fit. Blotted out. Blotted out. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God through Him. That's what the Scripture teaches us. Now, the idea of things being blotted out of the books of heaven, you may think that's strange. But we know that it happens. I just shared with you a moment ago that He says, I will not blot out His name from the book of life, but I will confess His name before my Father which is in heaven. Now, now, friends, there's a lot of arguments around that verse whether it's talking about salvation or not, and you can figure that one out for yourself, but I'm telling you that verse tells us clearly that things can be blotted out of the book. Yes? yes. Amen. Amen. Things that can be blotted out. Things can be under the blood and blotted out of the book. And that's not the only scripture I would use. Hebrews 8:12 says, And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Now listen, if God's got a book of remembrance where he's remembering and and wanting to preserve that for all of eternity, then on the other hand, he says, there are some things that God will cast from his remembrance, never to remember them again. Those are things that are removed from the book. Malachi 7.19 says, you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Did you know we still know more about the surface of the moon than we do the deepest parts of our ocean? That's a pretty good analogy. The depths of the sea, where they cannot be retrieved. And then Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You see, the same Bible that says records are being kept, details are being put in the book, tells us that if we will repent and turn to the Lord our God, and we will trust in the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross, that the books can be changed. I'm telling you, I believe this with all my heart that when we truly repent, when we truly repent, we can change the books of heaven. Now, we don't do it. We know it's our Lord that does it, but we can change the books of heaven 
when we truly repent. Now, back to the book of remembrance. This is the one I want to take just a few minutes on. In the book of remembrance, you remember our passage tells us that those who feared the Lord, those who fellowshiped with one another, and those who meditated on his name, that God had a book of remembrance written to record what they had said. You see, the things that they had done, the things that they were saying, right in the middle of a fallen, perverted, rebellious nation, here's this nucleus, this remnant of people, and God's keeping a record. What they're saying is so pleasing to God that He wants it written down. He wants a record. He wants a memorial. He wants it kept for all of eternity. And He's writing it down. Do you know what they were saying? Neither do I. But it's written down in heaven, and one day I'm going to read it. And so can you. That's, that's just wonderful to me. Now here's my question for you, just a couple questions. Do you think that was a one-time event? Do you think that was just a revelation that Malachi had of a one-time event? Or do you think he had a glimpse of something that's going on on an ongoing basis? That those who fear God, those who truly reverence God, those who are passionate for their God, those who serve Him with all of their hearts, those who talk about Him often, who tell of His greatness, those who are testifying, those who are lifting up His holy name, singing His praise, talking about the glory of God, that God is writing it down in His book of remembrance. I'm convinced one of these days we're going to get to heaven, friends, and there's going to be a library that says the library of remembrance. Millions of copies in there. Where every time a godly man, every time a godly woman, every time a godly child spoke a word that glorified the Most High God, God had the scribes of heaven write it down and put it in the book so that it could be remembered. Is your name in that book? Is my name in that book? Are we in that library? Now I'm going to tell you, friends, I, this church has got a long way to go. And nobody knows the faults and the flaws of this church better than staff and pastor. But i got to tell you, I believe... There are people all over this church. Your names are already in that book. Because I've heard you testify. I, I've heard you testify. Hey, I need, a, I, I, need a, I need a mic real quick. I need a mic. I've heard you testify. Rick, where are you? Hold your hand up. Wave at me. Where are you? Come here, quickly. Run down here. Run down here. This is not in my notes. This is not in my notes. Listen, I'm convinced that what he's about to say is going to be written... In the book of remembrance in the library. Go ahead. Just don't take too long. Just don't take too long. Okay. I'll make it quick. Um, Some of you know I had kidney cancer two years ago, and I had my left kidney removed. But after that, which took care of the cancer at that time, they do follow-up checks to make sure none of the cancer is spread to other areas of your body. And, of course, the first time I went back, everything was good, so I just assumed everything would be good. The second time I went back, they had found two nodules in my lungs, and they found one in my liver. The last time I spoke in front of you, 
I told you that the one on my liver, they said, was something I was probably born with and was okay. They wanted to monitor the two in my lungs to see if they grew. They were small at the time. They said it was no big concern, but we want to see if they grow and monitor them. And if things do develop, then we can take medication. And we anointed you. And I was anointed here at the church, and I thank everyone for their prayers. And this Tuesday, I went back for a CAT scan, and on Thursday, they called me, and they said my lungs were clear. Amen. Amen. And the term, the medical term they use is unremarkable. There's nothing there to mark, so it's unremarkable. I I would argue with that. I think that's (laughs) extremely remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. And once again, I just—I know he wants me to hurry up. So I just want to thank everyone for their prayers. And I've been coming to this church for three and a half years, and I've never felt more like a family and grown in my faith. And at a church that puts Jesus first. So I want to thank everyone. Amen. So, so I'm asking you, why wouldn't God put that in His book? Why wouldn't God want some saint? that lived on another continent a million years from now to walk into a library and take that book out and say, Rick Larson gave glory to God. And God was pleased with that. Why? Why wouldn't we we think that? Oh, my goodness. Now, here's my next question. And it kind of leads into this. Does God need to have these things written down so he can remember it? Does God need to write things down so he can remember it? I know I do. I tell you, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, this is getting older now. You know, I'm, I'm really having trouble remembering things. I mean, I talk to people all the time. They say, you remember that conversation we had? And I'm going, I'm hoping they'll give me some hint so I'll have some clue what they're talking about. I don't remember. And this is the only complaint you're ever going to hear from me about the staff of River of Life. They found out I can't remember what we talked about, and I think they take advantage of me. You remember we talked about that? And I'll say, no, I don't remember. And they'll say, oh, you're the one who was doing the talking. Come on, I, I'm serious about this. Is anybody here, does anybody here feel my pain? It's 10 o'clock in the morning, and i got these few little pills that I'm supposed to take. And I can't remember whether I took my pills or not. You know what I'm talking about? I used to laugh at those people that had those long things, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, they had them on. You saw, and I know why they do that. Because you can't remember. <laughs> if I don't write it down, I forget it. Does God need to write it down so He can remember it? No. A million times no. A million years from now, God will have perfect recall of everything that's ever been said or done. So why would He have a book of remembrance? Why? For a memorial. For a monument. For a heavenly record. For something that would perpetually give glory to God so that you and I would be able to read about all the great things, all the great men, all the great moments that glorified our wonderful God. That's why it's there. So that the saints of all the ages 
I, I got to tell you, we may be missing out on it right now, but when we get to heaven, we're going to find out we didn't miss out on anything. We'll get to see what was done. And we'll have the time to do that. Uh, this was kind of a, an unusual message for me today because the Lord gave me something to do right at the end of this message that would be a word of encouragement to somebody who came in discouraged today. A little bit down, maybe a little bit heavy. Maybe you're up against something. And so I, I want to I want to give you a word of encouragement. There's a, a poet by the name of Edgar Guest, and he's one of my favorite poets. And I reason because his poems are so childlike, and I, I like those. So I, I want to quote a poem and then make a couple comments, and I want to encourage you. It goes like this, if I can remember it, and this will be close. It may not be uh, word perfect. When you're up against a trouble, meet it squarely, Face to face. Lift your chin and set your shoulders. Plant your feet and take a brace. When it's vain to try to dodge it, do the best that you can do. You may fail, but you may conquer. See it through. And that's the title of his poem. See it through. Black may be the clouds about you and your future may seem grim, but don't let your nerves desert you. Keep yourself in fighting trim. If the worst is bound to happen, spite of all that you can do. Running from it will not save you. See it through. Even hope may seem but futile when with troubles you're beset. But remember, you're facing just what other men have met. You may fail, but fall fighting. Never give up. Whatever you do, eyes forward, head high, to the finish, see it through. You know why I love that? I love that poem because I grew up in an athletic family. And my dad and my four older brothers and almost every coach I ever had had a saying that I heard over and over and over again. I heard that. You, I, you've probably heard this, but I heard it a lot growing up. Quitters don't win and winners don't quit. Say it with me. Quitters don't win and winners don't quit. Now I want to tell you, you won't find that exact statement in the Word of God. But the truth is all over the Bible. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Quitters don't make it to the end. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. The kingdom of God is for those who just refuse to give up. Do you hear me? In due season you will reap if you faint not. There's a harvest waiting for you. There's a blessed day coming. In this life, maybe. In the next world, absolutely. There's a harvest coming. But you can't faint. You can't give up. You've got to stay in the battle. He that takes hold of the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not for the faint-hearted. It's not for those who give up and get discouraged. No. And one, one passage of Scripture says, those who shrink back, those who shrink back, God says, I have no pleasure in them. 
You see, friends, does God like it when you fail? No, he doesn't like it, but let me tell you something that he dislikes more than you making a mistake is when you give up, when you shrink back, when you stop. Do you know how many failures we have in the house? Some, somebody tell me how many people we got here today. I don't know. Huh? We have 456 in the house, or on the campus. So we have 456 failures. Doesn't that encourage you? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've all blown it. We've all messed up. We've all failed. You see, it's not failing that disappoints God as much as it is you coming to the point where you give up and stop. He made, he made the victory possible for you through sending His Son, through the giving of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, through His holy presence. You see, I don't care who you are today, you can win the victory, but you can't win it if you give up. Are you with me? I want to make a big statement, friends, if you'll refuse to give up on God. If you'll refuse to give up Give up your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you will refuse to, to stop trying, if you make up your mind, you'll see it through. In the end, you'll win. In the end, you'll win. <laughs> you may limp into heaven, but you will win. <laughs> you will win. You see, the question is not how many times have you failed. The question is not how many times have you miserably failed. The question is, did you get back up? Did you hold on to your faith? Did you say, I won't give up? I'm going all the way. I'll stumble if necessary. But I'm going to go after God. Friends, I'm going to tell you, if you won't give up, you can change what's being written in heaven about you. Let's bow in prayer. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m., in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.